welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Okay, so most of my time will be, excuse me, the uh, my testimony, um, but we'll set a little, um, some sort of teaching at the beginning. In Matthew six verse thirty three, Jesus says, "Seek first my kingdom." Now, that's what you're doing, basically, coming on iDestiny. In your hearts, you want more Jesus. I think that's what you've written on the sheets downstairs with your photographs. You know, I want to know him more. And that is seeking first the kingdom of God. But for me as a, as a uh, Christian, you know, growing up and developing in my understanding of Jesus, I would often have this question about what is the kingdom? I'm told to seek it, but I, I don't really know what the kingdom is, what I'm seeking. I, I, I suppose I was separating it away from my relationship with Jesus and I was thought, you know, is it some sort of rule and authority that God has, you know, uh, I'm going to see the kingdom manifest here in, in sale in such a powerful way. So that's really what I'm looking for, is that kingdom. And it felt like it was outside of me and I was looking for this this something that was out there. Um, and Jesus kept saying seek first the kingdom so I kept seeking this this that was out there somewhere and I, I got frustrated with it because I felt like I wasn't connecting with the kingdom there was some sort of disparity in my thinking I wasn't quite in line with what was going on and then uh, I read this lovely verse from Romans 14 verse 17 the kingdom of God is. Oh, I thought, right, I'm going to get it now. I'm going to get understanding what the kingdom of God is. I'm going to see it, and I'll know what it. What, I know what what's out there, and I'm searching. So, kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit, and it became obvious. I thought, how come I never saw this? The kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit. Wherever He is, I'm in the kingdom. And it looks like righteousness, righteous people like yourselves. It looks like peace. Peace isn't the absence of something. We often think of peace as being the absence of war, the absence of strife. Peace is a person, the Prince of Peace. It's the Prince of Peace. It's that relationship with him that's the kingdom. And joy. Um, Heidi Baker's husband describes joy as being the energy of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, he's in you, he's around you, and his life is righteousness. You know, Jesus says, I give you my righteousness, you are righteous, I declare that you're righteous now. I'm going to try and find it anymore. I've got it, I am righteous. The Prince of Peace is here with me. So peace is all around me, with me, in every part of my life, in any situation I face, peace is with me. And the energy that I need to function within this kingdom, this kingdom life that's here, is the energy of the Spirit of God, which is in me. Well, all of a sudden I discovered, ah, the kingdom. I'm living it. It was no longer out there. It was here, in me. <coughs> you'll have had some wonderful teaching from Rebecca on faith and your mind does silly tricks to be honest with you 
because your mind will tell you you've got to have more of this I've got to find more of something I've got to get something more that's what your mind tells you and yet how much more of the Holy Spirit do you need he's come what he loves to do is keep filling you and as you are filled as you discovered um, Timon your questions go because it's a relationship with him all of a sudden the lack of I haven't got enough disappears and the realisation actually he's got it all and he's in me he's with me so the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit wherever he is is the Holy Spirit and of course he's here with you he's here with me and Rebecca wherever the kingdom wherever he is the kingdom is so the Holy Spirit was poured out by Father. Remember it says that it was the Father's promise to pour out the Holy Spirit, to give the Holy Spirit. It was the Father's promise to do it. And, you know, it's when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's the King's domain becomes manifest in your life. And you describe some of those events, you know, praying for friends uh, or you being prayed for. And there's a... a, a otherworldly dimension becomes evident in your life and the people's lives around you because the king's domain has come the kingdom has come upon you okay so that outpouring of the holy spirit poured out on you poured out on us given by the father acts the apostles the uh, you know uh, pentecost that outpouring of the spirit of god deals directly with God's intention for the world and for you as an individual. You're, you know, you come on my destiny. What is my destiny? People ask so many times, what's my destiny? It's the Holy Spirit. He is the one. He's the one that pours out on you. He is the one that brings the king's domain. He is the one that enables you to become all that you are intended to be in God. All that you're going to do in your business life, all that you're going to do in your family life, Holy Spirit comes upon you and enables you to be that, right? Because the outpouring of the Spirit of God leads to you being filled with the fullness of God. That's what it says in Ephesians 3.19. Now, it's not like, oh, yesterday you got a thimble full, a little cup full of the Holy Spirit, and tomorrow you'll get a little bit more, and by the end of your life, you'll have a fullness of God. No, he doesn't split himself into little bits like that. When he comes, he comes. But he loves to be invited. He, that's just the way he is. He loves to be invited. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit. It's not that we lost him yesterday. It's not that we drained out of us because we've had wrong thinking wrong actions wrong life there's nothing in you that makes him go oh, i don't want to be around him anymore don't like that team on i better scarper and wait till he asks me to come back again because i just feels uncomfortable here there's nothing in you that makes you feel uncomfortable because jesus dealt with it all and therefore he's at home in you he loves being with you right he loves being filled and the fullness of God has come upon your life come upon my life and we can start to see the fullness of God acting around us impacting around our lives so we can expect 
when I lay my hands on somebody, something's going to happen. When I'm feeling your, oh, the presence of the Holy Spirit's here, something's going to happen. We can start to expect that because the king's domain has come on your life. And he, when he comes, he doesn't come with a little bit of himself. He comes with all of himself. And as we trust that, and as we act in obedience to it, we receive miracles. Um, Bill Johnson, uh, I was reading one of his books uh, a few days ago, and he was describing how he's learned to act quickly. And he was talking about the context of miracles. And he said uh, he would get words of knowledge and uh, ask people to respond. You know, so say it was... Um, you've got a a back condition and somebody put their hand up saying yeah I've got a back condition um, oh, no, I'll go with the other one that he said you know uh, they can't walk okay so God wants to heal the person who can't walk yeah so hands up he said he learned that if he waits and thinks about it his mind tells him things like this isn't a difficult one isn't it they don't seem to have much faith do they I ain't got much faith. I'm not sure I've seen anybody who's paralyzed walk yet. I'm not sure whether I can pray yet. And that's what his mind would do. But he started to learn to act quickly. And he said it would be things like he'd grab their hand and run with them. And they would run. And he said, before I could think, I was doing things. And I learned to obey quickly. He learned that when the presence of the Spirit of God comes, follow him. Don't go, let me analyse that and work out what the impact of me following him will be. And I'll see whether I've got faith. Because in the end, you never find your faith. It always seems to have ebbed away. <laughs> Whereas in the acting quickly of being obedient, he said he's seen some stunning miracles because of that following the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um. You can't reduce the kingdom of God just to talk and ideas. Um, you know, he's unlimited power, the Holy Spirit. Unlimited power. And he's been granted to us. So therefore, it's on our part to cooperate with him. And this is where, you know, grace and um, learning, grace, learning that God, Jesus has done everything. There's also... I need to respond to the Holy Spirit. I need to step out. I need to pray. I need to expect the miraculous to take place around you. And discovering that he will do it. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So both of you, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In that package, you also got the power as well the dunas, the dynamite, that's where it comes from that's where we get that word dynamite the English word dynamite from dunamis is that explosive power of the Holy Spirit you got that as well he didn't give you everything apart from that so the potential within you is a Bill Johnson or let's think of a German guy um, what's his name um, Reinhard Bonnke the potential in you is a Reinhard Bonnke alright because you've got the power as well. Now, in another context, I can put it like this. The potential within you is to become a... Um, who's, what's the name of that guy who's 
earned millions of pounds in computers and is now trying to solve um, Bill Gates. The potential within you is Bill Gates. Why? Because the Spirit of God has come upon you in power. It's not just for the spiritual things, the praying for the sick and all those wonderful, but it's also in your business life, it's in your family life, it's in your every aspect of you, the Spirit of God has been given to you. And he came with power. Our job now is to start learning how to cooperate with him because I've discovered his language is not English and it's not German. He has a wonderfully different type of language that you have to grow and learn and be aware of. And that's why I was asking you, what does it feel like when the Spirit of God comes or when you're sensing the Spirit of God? That's his language towards you. And you learning what this body responds, how it responds, how it senses the Spirit of God, very key to learning to walk with him because it's often you'll sense that in that way before you'll see something else taking place before you have to act on it okay uh, Acts 2 verse 2 to 4 says that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues and of course here we go two of you filled the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues brilliant I'd encourage you speak more often in tongues um, it's a good gift you speak mysteries to God. Um, June Richards describes it as a power generator within you. It's like, um, you know, it just builds up your muscles. It's the best um, weight training ever. Do you get what I mean? It just builds up that spiritual life in you. It, it enables you to catch insights from God, wisdom from him. Uh, you know, because often it's like, I don't know what to pray. Well, that's why he gave you that wonderful gift. Because I can start praying in English, very soon I run out of what to pray. But I can carry on praying in tongues. Uh, and so in difficult, awkward situations, work situations, you know, I'm in a business meeting and it's not going well with the contractor. And I'm not, you know, I'm just sensing that we're getting off track here and we've got to come back online. What am I doing as a Christian in that business meeting? I'm praying in tongues. Why? Because wisdom will come. I know that. I've done it, I don't know how many times. I know that the, my business people, the contractors, things change. So that gift, while I was in um, business, was just wonderful. You know, it might not just be in the meeting, be praying. You know, I'll, I'll be talking to Kath saying, gosh, I've got a tough meeting tomorrow, Kath. Contractor wants a million pound out of me. I don't want to pay him any money. <clears throat> right better pray then haven't we well you soon learn that praying in tongues is brilliant because it gives wisdom and I, I'll give you one example uh, this is a wonderfully real one um, I was building a water treatment works and we were at the foundation stage and uh, you know the, the contractor digs out all the earth to get to the point where he puts the piles in and um, beforehand we will have taken boreholes that show the quality of the soil right down to as far as you could go to bedrock and he would have made his designs based upon those boreholes which I did so if I get the boreholes wrong it's my fault I have to pay if he doesn't interpret the boreholes properly it's his fault he has to pay this was a winter's day 
it had been raining heavy for a few days. Uh, I mean, it never rains in Manchester, but it, then it just happened to be raining a few days. And uh, the contractor had dug out the soil uh, to the level at which we were supposed to be putting in the foundation. And it was a quagmire. I mean, it was just the mud. You know, you'd step into it, you'd sink up to your knees. It was just a mess. <laughs> okay. So um, I was there with my boss. And the contractor said to him, not to me, he said to him, what do you want us to do? And the boss did the right thing. He said, you better dig it out. That's all this sloppy mess. Dig it out until you get to firm ground. And then start to build and we'll deal with the claim afterwards because if you didn't you'd just be you know standing around and it would cost you a fortune so he had the instruction started to dig out the quagmire and you can imagine it's a big job you know water treatment is not a small thing so there's a lot of soil is extra soil is digging out to get down to a level where they you've got firm ground then you can build the water treatments so back home with Kath, Kath this is gonna cost millions millions this is going to cost um, and it's coming out of my budget you know I'm responsible for this thing and I can see an overspend coming and having to go back to the directors and say oh, can I have can I have five more million pound please so I, this was I was nervous about it so we started to pray and praying in tongues insight straight away I knew who to go and speak to at work so I went to my um guy who is it you know um, geology is interested in geology went to him and he said Alan I've got I've just got a new piece of software I don't know whether it will work for you but um, we don't know how to use it yet but it actually draws 3d pictures through the soil structure I said that sounds perfect so we learned how to use the computer program. We fed all the information in, and it produced on a big A0 sheet of paper a 3D dimension, if you like, looking through the soil structure. What became obvious was that there were two boreholes that showed the firm ground at the level they'd now dug out to. The other boreholes were showing softer soil in that area. And I thought, Thank you, Lord. All of a sudden, I'm seeing it's not my fault. It's contractors. Into contractual meeting, they're going, Sir, it's so many weeks delay, extra work, etc., etc., million pound, please, sir, pay up. And I go, Did you look at all the boreholes? So there's a bit of a, yes, of course we did. What about borehole four, four and six? He turns to the contractor, turns to the designer. No, we ignored those. And numerous times like that at work, just asking through praying tongues, that wisdom comes and you go, thank you. And you get that connection between the earthly and the spiritual realm. Something comes. So I love gift of speaking in tongues. I encourage you to do it more. Uh, get involved with it. Sing in the spirit. Worship Jesus with it. It's a love language. Speak you know close your eyes imagine him just being in front of you and speak words of love to him that are spot on right because you, you know if in english i can go i love you jesus i love you jesus and all oh, that's good but i can speak words like you know um 
subtle words of wonder right to him because of that gift of tongues he gave me. Okay, it develops relationship tremendously. Acts 10, 34 to 48 says, the Gentiles were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues. And that's why, you know, the gospel comes to all of us. We are, can all be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit. And the way it's written is the continuous tense. Continue being filled. So if you, got, if you were filled with the Spirit yesterday, be filled with the Spirit today. Be filled with the Spirit tomorrow. Be filled every time, every opportunity. Ask Him to fill you. And I always think of it as like, I haven't leaked anything out. That was, gosh, I don't know how many times I've heard this in churches. The reason why you need to be filled again is because over the last few days he's leaked out of you like a, we call it a colander, you know, it just leaks out of you and you need him to top you up. It's just nonsense, nonsense. He doesn't leak out of you. You're in relationship with him. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. But he's infinite. And no wonder we as finite need more of him. He's just beyond where we are okay um throughout history you can see the outpouring of the spirit of god over and over and over again so just coming to the people who said you know um scripture is the final thing we don't need the holy spirit now or the gifts because well it doesn't take into account anything of church history I mean, you only have to look in German church history to see the outpouring of the Spirit coming over and over and over again, let alone our own country in revivals here, over in um, America and revivals. You know, he just keeps pouring out, and Christians get impacted by him, and it continues and has continued. There's never been a period, um, uh, you know, you do a, a study through church history, there's never a period when there isn't an outpouring of the Spirit of God. It just keeps happening. And you either have to say, well, all of those things were error. You either have to say people like Bill Johnson, total error. Uh, Randy Clark, total error. You know, uh, Alan Pierce, total error to come in line with that theology. Or you have to say, sorry, the theology's wrong. The Spirit of God keeps pouring out, keeps pouring out, and keeps giving his gifts. So, um, my testimony was that I got saved when I was at university here in Manchester uh, and went to an Anglican church, which would be similar to your Lutheran churches back in uh, Germany. And it was great, a great church to go to as a, as a new Christian. Uh, I got saved here at uh, university. And uh, after a while, you know, I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading the Acts of the Apostles and I started to think... Well, I don't see any of this in church. No, I saw a lot of lovely, lovely stuff in church. Um, you know, people getting saved like me. That was a, that was a good one. Um, their belief in the provision of God was stunning. I mean, um, money being provided for the church buildings, etc., was just wonderful testimonies there. So I saw a lot of lovely stuff, you know, loving and caring people. But I didn't see speaking in tongues. I didn't see healing. I didn't see miracles. I didn't see the intervention of God. And it seemed as I read Acts of the Apostles, it happened all the time. It wasn't something that was 
a little bit. But it happened by, with all of them. They were all engaged with the Holy Spirit. So it began this uh, question, is there something more? And I'm going back now to the 1970s. And in this country, there was a lot of, you've got to be very careful with the Holy Spirit because it could be counterfeit. And you don't want to expose yourself to the counterfeit, do you? And of course, all that teaching comes from having a bigger enemy than you'd have than God, you know. Father says clearly, you know, I don't give you, as a good father, I know how to give good gifts. I don't give you a scorpion or a stone. I give you the Holy Spirit. For some reason, we never read that and, and believed it. It was always, oh, Woody, you've got to be cautious because it's a bit freaky and a bit weird. You don't know what you're going to let yourself into. So that's, I'm just telling you what it was back, like back in the 1970s for me. So Irvin, who came to speak on your new creation week, um, he was uh, trained to be a doctor, he's a friend of mine, uh, so we agreed that we would meet together in his house to actually seek the kingdom, seek the Holy Spirit. Because would it be possible that even we could speak in tongues? That was the big question for us. We didn't know. We thought it was possible, but if you can imagine, you don't get anybody in your church leaders saying, this is what you need to do. You don't get anybody encouraging you. You just get everybody saying, oh, be careful. You don't be doing that because you don't know where it's going to lead to. So um, we used to meet every Wednesday in his little room. He was a, a, a G, uh, not a GP, a houseman, and he had a little room in, in the hospital, and we used to meet there. And we decided we would study how the Israelites came out of Egypt and came into the promised land because it felt to us like we got saved, i.e. we came out of Egypt and we were on this journey to a promised land of miraculous, incredible stuff that we didn't really know how to get there. So we did our six weeks Bible study and it came to the night when we said, well, look, we're at the promised land. There's the, you know, we could draw a line here. Are we going to step over tonight into this promised land? So we did what your friends did, you know, laid hands on each other, prayed for us to be filled with the Spirit and to speak in tongues. We did that, Irving to me, me to Irving. So Irving said to me, well, what do you think? Now, we have, no, we have no grid of laying hands on people. We've never done it. To get to me, we've never been shown how to do it. we never, unlike yourselves, we're never in a culture where that ever happened. So it's like, they do it in the Bible, lay hands, so we'll try. And I said, well, I've got some noises. Shall I say them? Okay. Okay. So I said to Irvin, what do you think of that, Irvin? He said, well, it sounds like a language to me. I said, have you got anything? He says, yeah, I've got some noises. Well, try then. And he starts speaking in tongues. And I go, well, it sounds like a language to me as well. Let's just agree that we're speaking in tongues. Because we'd never really heard it before. No, that's our, our experience wasn't ex around people that were doing this. They weren't. 
But as soon as we made that thank you, God, thank you, Father, for pouring out the Holy Spirit on us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing the gift of tongues to us. As soon as we said the yes to that, it was like the room was filled with the presence. A bit like your feeling, you know, that sense of, and you're, oh, gosh, there's something in here. And Irving said, look, I've got this condition. I'm not feeling very well. Laid hands on him. He was instantly healed. Oh, gosh, that's interesting. I said, well, I had a dream last night. I shared my dream. He instantly had the interpretation of the dream. Oh, this is exciting. This is what the promised land is all supposed to be about, isn't it? This encounter with the supernatural of God. And we're encountering it in his little room. And just at that point, there's a knock at the door. Now, Irving back then, he was very handsome. That's not to say he's not handsome now. But back then, he really did look like a, um, uh, what do they call him? A Viking god. That's what I always felt. He had blonde, long, blonde hair. He was very uh, handsome, etc. And, of course, lots of ladies were interested in him. So there's a knock at the door. And Irving opened the door. And there was two, I think there were nurses, stood at the door. Um, obviously come to see Irving but their reaction was when he opened the door they went oh what's happened in this room because all that presence that we were talking about they not knowing Jesus just experienced it and we were able to say we're filled with the Holy Spirit so I go home that night and uh, it's I you know you're you're just tingling with this realization that it's all real that it wasn't anything to be frightened about. That a loving father loved to give the Holy Spirit, loved to give gifts of the Spirit, and I'd experienced them. And there wasn't a nasty devil counterfeit or anything. This was just real. So I'm driving home, get to my home. I walk into the lounge, and Alan Bateman, who was a friend who had come that evening, turned, just like the girls, turned, looked at me and said, what happened to you? I hadn't said anything. I just walked in through the door. And I said, well, I've been baptised in the Spirit and I speak in tongues. So he says, pray for me now. I want that. And I said, well, I'll do a six weeks Bible study course with you because that's all I knew. We'd just done this Bible course, course six weeks and then we pray. He said, no, I don't want six weeks. Do it now. I don't know how to do this. I, all right. Huh. Father, please fill him, fill Alan Bateman with the Holy Spirit and give him the gift of tongues and immediately he's filled with the Spirit and he's speaking in tongues just like as if he could always do it. It was stunning. And that set off six months of Holy Spirit encounters around our Anglican church. We would go to our home group and people would go, what happened to you? And we would say, we're filled with the Spirit. Well, pray for us then. So we'd lay hands on them and they would speak in tongues. Irving went to see his friend um, Giles and Angela Burton. And Giles was rather a analytical, sceptical sort of guy. And he says, I'm not sure about this. Because, of course, he had heard all of those stories. I've got to be careful. Don't want counterfeits. Maybe it's died out. Maybe it's whatever. Don't want any of those things. And Irving said, no, it's real. Let me pray for you. Lay his hands on him. And the Holy Spirit comes. And, you know, we have this phrase, slain the spirit, because it looks like somebody's just been killed. Or they just fought. He fell across the table. 
and his head's on the table like this and he's saying what's wrong I can't get up my head's stuck to the table I can't get it up off the table so Irving says until you repent you'll stay like that (laughs) (laughs) and Giles goes I repent (laughs) and immediately he spoke in tongues and was filled with the spirit so we had six months of this incredible encounter of living in this the kingdom of God which is what we'd been seeking seek first the kingdom of God well what did we find the kingdom of God didn't need to take six weeks we just didn't know how else to do it um, so by that point um, we've started both Irvin and myself started coming over here to sail to the Manchester Sacred Dance and Drama Group and people might have talked to you about that and it was a, a group where uh, probably about 20 of us went around the northwest uh, in the time of the charismatic renewal here in this country praying for people to be filled in the spirit speaking tongues doing evangelistic work dancing in churches like Anglican and Catholic churches uh, Methodists Baptist churches and a few Pentecostals um, and uh, doing dramas uh, like the passion play and the Christmas play and the Holy Spirit play just to help people understand that this Holy Spirit wants to be given to you the Father wants to give the Holy Spirit to you so it was a it was a wonderful time really enjoyed it and we're now into the 80s and by that time um, John Wimber you, I don't know whether you have you heard of a man called John Wimber no he, he was the leader of the vineyard churches in America uh, and he started to come over to this country sharing with us that the Holy Spirit you know invite him to come and he'll come and it's not just being you know speaking with tongues and being filled with the spirit or how wonderful that is but there's all the miraculous there's all the other gifts that work and he would show us prophecy healing deliverance um everything was you know in his um conferences you go to if you felt like you were living in a different world it was just stunning what you would see happen uh, as he would pray for people and his team would pray and of course they were very very good at um, writing worship songs and the vineyard worship songs were just lovely to sing around the, the 80s and so as a church we began to learn from them about how to pray with people how to minister to people how to pray for the sick because all of those things really hadn't been taught us we were just trying our best but now we started to have a framework in which we could start to see more of the miraculous of God take place. Um, but in our country, there came a period over the late 80s, early 90s, where many Christians seemed to be feeling, I've worked hard at this Christian life, and I don't get much for it. You know, it's like... I can hear all these things from America, but I'm not really getting there myself. Do you get what I mean? And people would use phrases like, I'm burnt out, I'm exhausted, it's too much, can't cope. Okay. Do you want to switch the... No, no you're right. You look cool. <laughs> um, so, over that period of time, there came, in 1994... The, what became known as the Toronto Blessing. And it was actually the newspapers in this country that coined that phrase, the Toronto Blessing. So what happened there in Toronto was that John Arnott 
um, and his wife Carol had just been spending the mornings seeking first the kingdom of God, wanting more of the kingdom of God. And they invited Randy Clark, who at that time was an unknown pastor in the vineyard churches, to come and do a conference for them. So he came, and that started um, 16 years of non-stop revival meetings every night, except for Monday night, I think it was. So then Monday night off, every other night, was revival meetings. And back in the early 90s, planes were being chartered from this country and flying across to America, uh, to Canada to go to the Toronto Blessing because what had happened here, and it was on the television and it was in the newspapers, was that um, some Anglican vicar and some of his team had been over to Toronto had really been impacted by the outpouring of the Toronto Blessing, the refreshing, came back here, it was Holy Trinity Brompton, and people were laughing in the aisles. And, of course, the newspapers picked up on this because, you know, it's unusual for people to be laughing in church. That's the way they were writing. And what is this Toronto Blessing that's coming from Toronto that's causing our staid Anglican churches to now be laughing in the aisles? And, of course... It was like, you were like, ah, oh, what is going on? There's something really happening here. So in 1998, um, Andy, Sean and myself, we went to Toronto, flew over there. And I have to say, it was wonderful. You know, it was just a wonderful experience of this conference, 3,000 people at the conference, wonderful presence of God, you know, like you're describing what it's like, wonderful presence. But I have to say, I felt like I was an observer it was like I was observing this wonderful thing. Yes, I did get prayed for many times. The presence of the Holy Spirit came. But I remember coming home thinking, that was good, but I think I was just observing it. And um, by then, as a church, we were going up to Sunderland, because uh, like Holy Trinity Brompton, Sunderland had become a place where the outpouring, the refreshing of the Spirit was coming. They were holding regular meetings there, and many of our ladies were driving up to Sunderland for those conferences. I have to say, I was a bit resistant. I'd gone over to Toronto, um, and I had this battle in my mind why do I have to travel to get the Holy Spirit? You know, it's here all the time with me. Why do I have to, why do, I have to do that? And I'd battle with that. And Kath would go up to Sunderland and come back saying, Oh, it's wonderful, Alan. You need to be there. That pouring of the Spirit of God is just stunning. And I'd be going, I'm not sure whether I want to go there. Because we're in sale. It needs to happen here in sale. Uh, eventually, I'm, okay, I'll go with you. I'll drive up. And it was just stunning. Loved it. Loved it. Every minute of it. And I stopped, a bit like you. My, a lot of my questions disappear when the Holy Spirit comes. They like seem daft questions. If that's where you have to go, that's where you have to go. <laughs> I don't mind. Um, so I'm now thinking, I'm going to go to the Father Heart Conference in Toronto. This would have been early 2000. Um, because in Toronto, they, they realised that the outpouring of the Spirit, this refreshing of the Spirit that was being given to the church was so linked with an understanding of Father's love 
you know, if I as a good father know how to give good gifts, how much more am I going to give the Holy Spirit? So the revelation of father as a loving father, one who cared for his children, loved his children, felt that his children were the apple of his eye, you know, really special, then it was like they caught on to that revelation and they wanted to share that father heart message with the church because at that time it was new for us we hadn't experienced it uh, we hadn't we my understanding of god was very much like jesus is fantastic holy spirit good I had to some lovely encounters with the holy spirit father he's he's the one that's a bit more distant um not that he was angry no i felt he was angry but he was distant and uh, I couldn't relate to him. He was a bit far off. Um, so I decided I'm going to Toronto for the Father Heart Conference. And I asked in church and nine people came with me. So we set off. Now at that time in Toronto, um, there were so many people going that you had to get to the church very early in the morning, probably around the half seven mark, to queue up outside um, because the queue would go around the church at least once, if not starting to go again, for you to get in. And of course, you wanted to get a good seat up near the front. You know, you've just flown from England all the way over there, spent a you know a load of money. You don't want to be sat at the back under the balcony where it's hot and uncomfortable. You want to get in comfortable seats at the front. That, and I'm leading this group now, nine people. So I am determined that we're going to get good seats. So I'm at the you know we're not at the front of the queue but we're near the front and when they used to open the doors it used to be a bit of a stampede really people would rush in with their coats and um, scarves to lay across uh, seats and we've got to find nine I've got to get nine together in. so I'm I'm determined I'm in one of my determined modes and I've got I've collected together hats scarves things like that because it was really cold in Toronto when we were there hats and scarves everything to get there and I'm I'm in and I'm up and I've, I've got my seats like that. When Trish, who had come with me, says, what are you doing, Alan? I've got the seats, Trish. I've done my bit for the day. I've got the seats, got nine seats together. We're here all day. Lovely seats at the front. She said, I haven't come here for seats. We have, Trish. If you don't get the seats, you're at the back. I've been at the back when I was here in 98 and it's not nice. You won't like it. You need to be at the front so you can see the person. You don't have to look at the television to see them, you know, because it's so big, the place. You have to have televisions. Um, you need to be at the front. Alan, we've come for the refreshing of the Holy Spirit, not the seats. And haven't you seen the cleaners at the back of church? And I had seen the cleaners because I had done this. Excuse me. Excuse me. Because the cleaners had come in, and I don't know whether they ever actually did any cleaning, but they came in, and the Holy Spirit had fallen on them. And they were weeping, shaking, laughing at the back in a circle. And this thousands of people who had been let in were just stepping over them like I was, because they were right in the middle of the aisle. They couldn't avoid it. And I had done that to get to my seats. When Trish, I'm so, so grateful for Trish, grateful for people that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who pull you up when you really you're just focused, you know, your mind's in charge rather than you're listening to the Holy Spirit. 
And she said, we've come for the refreshing oven. And those cleaners have got it. Let's go and sit with them. So the nine of us went and sat in this circle of the cleaners. They're all in their marigold gloves um, and their buckets. And we're sat with them, holding their hands. They're shaking they're crying, they're laughing, the, the presence of God, you know, is just stunning. And I must admit, I'm just sat there like that, holding their hands, thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. But after probably half an hour of just holding hands with them, I'm crying, I'm shaking, I'm laughing, I'm thinking, oh gosh. And it wasn't just me, the nine of us were. The nine of us, the presence of the Holy Spirit had come on. We were being filled with him. That We were being refreshed by him. So we, we came out of this group of cleaners and we go back to the nine seats that I did reserve. So there was a value in what I did. <laughs> and we got to sit on these seats but we, we were no longer sat like a nice Englishman, very calm. You know, we were like this! Or crying! Or laughing our heads off! Or, you know presence of God would just seem to go up and down the aisle of, that we were in a row that we sat on and people came and said can we sit with you because you have got what we want and we said but we've just come from England to get this and they said but you've got it and that was the first day when we went in there all right there we go so Toronto um cleaning ladies what I discovered was that this time of refreshing could be imparted by others that actually it took 30 minutes of sat sitting with these ladies for it to actually come it was as if it took time for it to soak in June Richards um, you'll meet her sometime on the school uh, in those early years 94, 95, 96 she had been down to a church in uh, London uh, to a to a conference out in a field somewhere and she said I'm going to go and get the Toronto blessing and uh, she said she was prayed for 35 times before that sense of you know the presence you're talking about that sense of him coming over her happened and that realization that you know we have to pursue the kingdom that sometimes it's not an instant thing but in that whole approach to God that refreshing took some time for it to envelop us that's not saying that the first prayer wasn't answered I always think it was but the it took soaking it's a bit like you know if you've got a dry sponge a very hard dry sponge and you put it into water sometimes you have to squeeze it a bit before all the water gets into the sponge otherwise it just floats on the surface and it felt like that that we were having to be squeezed a bit for the water to get in or um, Carol Arnott would describe it as um, that we were having to be pickled you know how they do pickles you know they put um, things into vinegar and it, over time they, they change their, their, their consistency and she said it was like that with us that we would have to have this time infusion with the spirit for us to be changed and it and it was really like that. Um, so we'd had that lovely encounter uh, with the dry cleaning ladies. And throughout the whole uh, week, the, the teaching on Father Hart was just stunningly wonderful for me. 
individually. Uh, you know, remember stood on a, used to Toronto, you had, had these wonderful prayer lines, and you'd go and stand on a prayer line, and everybody, everybody would get prayed for, and they had it quite organized. Um, and I remember standing there saying, Dad, if only you could say to me you were proud of me. I think that would be something special. And I remember a man who was coming down to pray uh, looked at me, said, I'm proud of you. Oh, gosh, it hit me. And he laid his hands on me, and I was slain. The spirit was on the floor. And I started to pray like this. Oh, and thank you, Father God, that you're proud of what I've done. I started to list off all the things that I've done, that you're proud of all those lovely things that I've done. And at that point, the Holy Spirit said, No, I'm proud of you, Alan. And then that revelation came that if I never do anything for you ever again, it's okay. You're proud of me. It's not to do with what I do. It's what you've done in me. It's what you've given to me. You are proud of me as a son. Oh, that changed me. I remember coming home from Toronto with the thought, I've got to say sorry to my children because I had grown up in a family where nobody would say I'm proud of you because that would make you be too puffed up, too think too much of yourself. So my dad or mum would never say, oh, I'm proud of you, Alan, for what you've done there, or what, what you're like, or who you are. They would never say that. So I would never say it to my children. And I remember got back from Toronto and I had to apologise to them. And I said, I am, I'm going to say it, and I'll say it over and over and over again. I'm proud of you. Because I've just realised my whole thinking was wrong. And that had a big impact on us as a family. It was lovely to see that change come as we began to honour each other instead of never saying it, never even thinking it's important and realising that it was very important to do. So I began to realise that the, this refreshing of the Spirit of God was something that he wanted to give and keep on giving. Um, but I, I hadn't, still hadn't come to terms that had that occasion with the ladies with their marigold gloves but I was still like apprehensive of it I didn't really get hold of what the Holy Spirit was doing and I remember Kath and myself went to a Pentecostal church in Birmingham that had received the outpouring of the Spirit and we went to a meeting there and Ian Andrews was speaking and there was I would probably say about 400 people in the, in the service at this Pentecostal church and Ian uh, stood up and he said, um, this is my sermon for today, come Holy Spirit. And he went and sat behind the piano. And it's like, oh, Ian Andrews, you, I mean, you won't know him, but he has an incredible healing ministry in this country, has been, been involved with uh, the charismatic renewal since the 60s. I mean, it's just stunning, stunning ministry that he's had. But there today was his sermon, Come Holy Spirit, went and sat behind the piano. And we're sat there going, this is a bit strange, never been in a service like this before. After a while, I could hear somebody behind me beginning to laugh. And to my shame, I turned round and it was a black guy and I thought, oh, it's just emotion that, right? He's laughing, just emotion. But this ripple of laughter went around the church 
And eventually it's happening everywhere. It's like this large volume of noise is taking place as people are laughing. And I remember seeing two women sat at the front and they were dressed in their... They looked like they'd gone to a wedding. They were so finely dressed. And they were trying to walk down the aisle for some reason and they were drunk. And, and I don't think I'd ever really seen that before. Uh, I mean, I've been to Toronto twice now, but I don't think I'd really seen that. And they were drunk as they walked down there. And then over there at the front, you know, there was this... Um, strong-looking man, but quite small, bouncing on, he's set up and down like this. Oh, I think this is strange. This Anyway, it all came to a, an end, and the pastor stood up and said, I can tell this is the Holy Spirit. That guy, he signals this guy out, the strong-looking guy, who was a member of our armed forces, SAS, um, one of those really trained soldiers, and he said, if he has lost control, I know the Holy Spirit is here. right? And so me and Kath are walking out a little bit disappointed because nothing seemingly had happened to us. I'd had that lovely encounter in Toronto. But now in this other events arena, nothing much is taking place. And I, I, and I don't know why. So Kath says to me, Alan, did anything happen? I said, no, nothing happened. She said, well, I started to laugh a little bit. She went, ha, ah. And I said, well, I did the same. And she said, well, but I stopped it all because I wanted the real thing. I said, I did that as well. And we looked at each other and we said, we're never doing that again. And the real, what we realised was, you have to cooperate with Holy Spirit. And that ah, start of a laugh is the start of it. But your brain jumps in and says, that can't be the real thing because I'm not bouncing like that man on his chair or I'm not laughing like them or I'm not drunk like those people over there. I'm waiting for the real thing to happen. And to be honest with you, it's just wrong thinking. It starts, can start in just the littlest of flutter. And whatever you invest in, do you get what I mean, believe in, more of it comes. Well, it, that, that event for Kath and myself changed things. We all of a sudden weren't nervous or frightened now of losing control. We were willing to lose control. We were willing to let God have his way. And I mean, I've had been in meetings at work where the presence of God has come. And they'll say to me, hey, what's wrong, Alan? I'm praying. <laughs> because I knew the presence of God was come. Or I'd be walking down the corridor at work. Oh, gosh, the presence of God's come. <laughs> and I'm praying like and I think, oh gosh, was I willing to let him come with all the presence whenever he wanted to? Um, Bill Johnson described a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. He said he was on his, he was lying in his bed. He'd been praying, you know, seeking the kingdom, asking for the kingdom to come. He'd been to Toronto, came back. He's lying on his bed, and he said he began this shaking. And it's pulsating through him. And his thoughts was, I can't, if I'm, if I'm like this, my church will think I've gone daft. You know, they've never seen it like this before, this encounter with the Spirit of God. I've never seen it before. And they'll think I've gone daft. But, God, I am willing now to look daft and be like this. If this is how I've got to be 
for the rest of my life. I'll be like this for the rest of my life. And he said for three nights this power encounter came as the spirit came on him and it would cause this shaking through him. And he just said, I'm willing to look a fool for you, God. I'm willing to it's nothing to do with manifestation when the spirit of God comes there will be manifestations there will be it's a consequence of him coming look at Acts filled with the spirit what happens they roll out of the upper room everybody goes is this God they look like they're drunk they see something so the presence of the spirit of God it's like you see something and it's how you're willing to let him use that. It's not just shaking and it's not just falling over. There can be like a glistening come on people. There can be a fluttering of eyelids. There can be a shaking. There can be a rocking backwards and forwards. There can be um, a, a, like a, a crying, a, like a sweating comes. It, there's, there's an, as the Spirit of God comes on your life, it changes you and it becomes visible and that you have to at some point make this decision I am willing Holy Spirit for you to come fill me and you're in charge of what it looks like not me so once we had settled that you know Kath and myself in church we would have times of uh, refreshing we'd pray for each other presence of the Holy Spirit would come and it was a lot lot easier than it was before because all of a sudden we're not now trying to judge it work out whether it's the right thing the wrong thing we were just willing to go with the Holy Spirit and then you look at the fruit of that what impact is it having on your life so as a church the the refreshing of the Holy Spirit has been continual with us we continue to pray for it we will do um, prayer tunnels where we'll lay hands on people we'll pray individually for people we expect when we ask the Holy Spirit to come he comes because that's what he says he will do we expect the refreshing to come and many individuals have had to deal with this you know I am manifesting in a way that's making me feel awkward what do I do with it Nikki is an example Spirit of God will fall on Nikki and she can get quite loud and make quite a bit of noise. When she first came on I Destiny, she would apologise for it. I'm very sorry, very sorry. People have told me I've got to be more control. I've not got to let my emotions take over. And I'm very, very sorry. And eventually we had to say to her, Nikki, stop. It is all right. We love the way the Holy Spirit comes on you. People have actually left church, left our church, because of that manifestation of the Spirit of God on Nikki. They've left because they can't handle it. I would say, more God, more. More, please, more. Because I'm looking at the fruit in somebody's life. I'm not analysing, well, oh, I don't know what that manifestation looks like. And the reality is, God uses us and him. It'll have lots of us in it. That's just the way it is, okay? It's just the way it is. So, wonderful time from 94 right through into the early 2000s, the Holy Spirit coming. Um, it's just, we love it. We want more of him. Enjoy it. He's teaching us about the Father heart, teaching us about love. 
uh, teaching us about being engaged with God. And in uh, 2006, I think it was, 2006, 2007, 2007 um, I got a chance to go to Reading with Andy and Sharon again uh, for what was called the Pastor's Advance. So um, we fly over to Reading, California, and we're there for a weekend, long weekends, teaching sessions um, with um, Bill Johnson and um, what's his name, Chris Vallotton and, and others from from their church. And they, you know, in the first session, they do the thing that you know people. If you're not an extrovert like you, Mark, um, you know they do the thing that's not so nice. Turn to the person next to you introduce yourself and talk to them you know so here i am a reserved english guy who's flown over from england still suffering a bit of jet lag in this meeting i i'm on the end of the road so i turn to the, the guy across the road and um i'm thinking oh gosh what do i say to him what do i say that's that what do i say <laughs> so and why are you here he says don't know in quite a strong voice. Don't know. Mm. Uh, so, what are you wanting Jesus to do for you? I, I could pray for you now. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking, I didn't want to come and talk to you in the first place. Now, you're making me feel even worse. You know, this whole, his whole demeanor was one of, this guy's in real pain and anguish. I don't know why he came to this conference, you know. <laughs> he obviously didn't want to speak to me. Uh, I didn't really want to speak to him, and I go, and I slink back to my seat, feeling like, oh well, that wasn't very good, was it? I think the afternoon session, um, the whole meetings in worship, uh, I go out to the loop, just like you've done. I go out to the loop, and back then they had probably about eight hundred students on their school not to 800, a little bit bigger. Uh, and they'd obviously been prayed for that the, by the guy who, who runs the um, healing rooms. And uh, he prayed that the Holy Spirit would fill them and empower them to go and take the message out. So they'd open the door and 800 students who are shaking, laughing, manifest in the presence of God are coming out of this door and I've stood against the wall like this as they're coming you know and it's like oh gosh <laughs> I'm in the way so I'm, I'm going to act it out because uh, it's better when I act it out so I'm I'm pressed against the wall like this and they're just pouring past me and one of them stops and grabs me around the wrist and goes get in God and as soon as he did that, it was like electricity went right through me, and I'm shaking on the floor. And I was, oh gosh, was there? And he came out for the loo, and, and I stand back up again, and this guy did it again, wraps his arms around me, get in, God! And I, electricity went right through me again, and I'm on the floor. And eventually I get up, and I'm like this now, oh God, oh God, oh God! And I'm just, oh, it's power pulsating through me. So I'm now walking, or not walking, I'm doing this, going back into 
the, the service that's going on. And this, you know, I'm exaggerating this now a bit. The worship is like this. You know, everybody was singing this wonderful worship song. And it was about the Father heart of God, about how much he loves us and how he cares for us. And I'm doing this. I'm the only one doing this and making this noise. Oh! Oh! And I hear this song, and I'm filled with compassion for this awful man who had been rude to me just in the morning because I knew that he couldn't sing about Father's love, that his heart was so hurt that he couldn't get there. And I'm on a mission then. Where is it? I get it. And I'm walking around this church now, right? This, oh, full of compassion for a guy. And I, I find him, he's fortunate, he's on the edge of the road. I've come to pray for you, like this. And he looks at me. And just remember, he's being rude and awkward and nasty. You know, and I'm saying, I'm going to pray for you. I get my arms around him, and a prophetic word comes. And I speak to his heart, a word from Father to him. And that's it. I go back to my seat. All of this power pulsating through me comes to an end. The following morning, a guy comes running up to me. Totally different countenance. He's smiling, he's happy, and it's this guy. And he's hugging me, saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You know. I said, That's wonderful. I'm so glad you are. Anyway, a few days later, he wrote me a letter. And he said, you have a great anointing. I haven't wept in ten years. When you embraced me and prayed for me, I came apart at the seams. I have been healed of much. Almost twenty years ago, my wife divorced me after she had engaged in seven extramarital affairs. I was kicked out of my church and I never recovered. Your prayers have healed me. I'm now in a better spiritual shape than I ever have been for the last twenty years. And he was the Bishop of the Diocese of the Pacific, Bruce Taylor. The filling of the Spirit of God is the King's domain that comes upon you that you may share the wonder of the King's domain to the person that's next to you. Whether it's your family member, a rude man in a conference, somebody in sale somebody back in your church the spirit of God coming upon you is the king's domain that causes people to engage with a loving father who cares for them and that's what it's all about being filled with the spirit is so that you have this wonder to give away and it's so so real it's not a theory it's not a words that we talk about it's him the spirit of god and as we honor him and honor what he does and wants to do in us we see that our lives get changed just like you said Timon. my questions go away he encounters me and i know it's love i know that he's changed me i know that i'm loved and what's going to happen for you Timon, is that it's not just going to be this intimacy for you is then going to flow out of you and encounter people that's why the Holy Spirit was given and that's what you read in the Acts of the Apostles they went round and wherever they went there was an encounter of the supernatural of God All right? 
And so you had this wonderful teaching about faith. It's his faith that's been given to you that you may go and share with this world around you. Why? Because the king's domain has come upon you. The spirit of God has come upon you. He has granted gifts to you that you may just go and bring the world into a reality of God. Right? And we'll talk more about kingdom and what it's like and we'll expose ourselves to things that are like beyond us maybe you've never seen before as we go on over the next 10 weeks but we'll also practice my sessions are the try to not make them just theory because in reality everything only theology about god it's practical it changes us you know so uh I'm encouraging you, let's get practical over the coming weeks. Let's be involved with each other. Uh, let's pray. That's why I said last, um, when was it uh, I came? Tuesday? Friday. Friday. Um, about prophecy. Practice, 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 practice. Make it practical. Don't leave it as a theory. Don't leave it as a something that may I did on that school one day, but now I don't do it anymore. No, get hold of it and say, yes, this is what I'm going to do, right? Because it's there for you. That same encounter I had where some students prayed for me is the same encounter that you can have. The Toronto Freshing, it's the same encounter you can have. Paul writes in Acts, times of refreshing have come. And they don't stop. Many churches, after the Toronto Blessing, said, well, we've had all that now. We're on to something new. No. <laughs> Spirit of God wants to fill you over, 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 over again. And it always looks like something. It always is wonderful. He is fantastic. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Our Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.